0: $405 and One less God than item. And finally, new rule conservatives who constantly whine that Christianity is under attack from liberals have to explain why there are over 300,000 churches in the U.S., but only 400 whole foods. I don't make this stuff up. <laughs> please, please, you can't say I don't make this stuff up just five seconds after you said the words, Manda Casabasanda. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky. thing to talk to Jesus, it's another thing when Jesus talks to you. Exactly. Okay, well. That's different. I think That's different. That's called mental illness, if I'm not correct. The savior of steel, Jesus. So we're in a series called People of Faith. And I played the little bumper piece there, the, the little video footage, because I want you to realize that things have shifted in our nation over the years um, to where you, you can't really draw on the fact that we're a Christian nation from you know, our media or other places, that you have to actually grow in your faith in and of yourself in the Holy Scriptures. And so the whole purpose of this series, People of Faith, is to help you grow in your faith, To help you recognize that you have some unbelief that needs to be rooted out. To help you be strengthened. Because the Bible talks about that the earth itself, the dirt, the earth, like a living being, the earth groans for the people of God. To be manifest. In other words, for us to be the people of faith we're supposed to be. And it, for us to actually say, you know, live out what we say that we believe. And we started last week, uh, if you weren't here, I'll just review for a second. We started last week with the concept of what is faith. Part one was what is faith? What is it? And so we pulled it out of the word the word of God defines it as in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And so we brought that, the the book of Hebrews right there in chapter 11 actually brings that into the real realm where we live. And what what the author of Hebrews did was pointed out some of the great heroes in the Bible and how their faith actually was an action. So faith is not a feeling or an emotion or a state of philosophy. Faith actually is doing what you say you believe. And so what we study was a number of the examples here in in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Noah built an ark. 100 years he's working on an ark because God told him it was going to rain and kill everybody. Hundred years? Can you imagine? Uh, by faith, he, he went out and he did something, and that's why the Bible says, "Faith without works is dead." You can say you believe in God, but if it doesn't work in your everyday life, if you don't live it out in life scenarios, then it's then it's fake. It's not real. And also, we looked at Rahab, the the, the prostitute. How when the spies, the Israeli spies, came because God said He was going to give them uh, Jericho, and she said, "You know what? Uh, I believe that your God is the living God, and I'm asking you if I help you that you will protect my family when God gives." you, our city, our people group. And by faith, she hid the spies. Can you imagine when she let them out in the night into the darkness wondering, is this going to be like all the other men who's used me, abused me? When they come and attack this, this city and they, and they break through and, and they kill everybody, are they going to kill my family as well? They told me that they wouldn't. But, uh, but but the faith that she had in their God or the living God, the faith that walked itself out, lived itself out, fleshed itself out by an act, an action by hiding the spies when everyone was looking for them in the city. Letting them out the window at night so they could escape. So they could give, give you know, the secret plans to, to the Israelites. Those kind of faith actions... Is really what faith is. Faith is saying, I believe what the Bible says, and I will act upon it in my everyday life. People like to have faith on Sunday, but you got a real Christian or a people of faith actually have faith, if you will, uh, in, in, at work on Monday. Uh, and I gave a little storyline for me uh, when I was in Bible school, a uh, starving college student, and I was working at Sam's Hoso Club, and, and, and this little sweet lady had come through our line, and, and she had left an envelope with 15 $100 bills. Some of you would have been like, thank you, Jesus, what I've been praying for. And I I grabbed that envelope, and I see it, and I realize, wait a minute, this is all the money I could use right now. And out of me came, I can't take this. That's stealing because I'm a person of faith. I'm not going to take this. Living it out in my everyday life. Faith is not a feeling, emotion, or philosophy. It's an action tied to my belief that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, that he will care for us. And in today, we're going to look at faith versus unbelief. That's what we're going to look at today. Because really, uh, the truth of the matter is we all have somewhat of faith, but we're also inundated with a good bit of unbelief. And so if you will, turn with me quickly in the scriptures to Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. This will be our key scripture today in reference to this teaching. Matthew 17, 20 says, he replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Would you read that last sentence with me, starting at nothing? Nothing will be impossible for you. Can you say it out loud with me? Nothing will be impossible for you. So these are Jesus' words to his disciples. They've had this conflict situation. They failed miserably at it. Jesus tells them you failed because of your unbelief. And Jesus then helps encourage them with the truth. And that is, if you could have faith just as small as a mustard seed. And, and, and in Hebrew culture, that was considered the smallest of all the seeds. Just a little bitty seed. I mean, you think about like a, like a sunflower seed. Just a little littlest of seeds. He said, if you could just have that, you could say to a mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. You could move mountains if you could just trust the Lord with that type of level of faith. If you could just have that. He says, but nevertheless, he says... You need to understand, nothing is impossible for those who believe. That's the premise by which you and I are supposed to live our lives as Christians. We're supposed to be people of faith. I don't expect the commentators to be people of faith. I I, I don't expect people who've never known the goodness of the Lord to walk in faith. But God definitely expects, expects us to continue growing in our faith. Just because you became a Christian... Doesn't mean you're complete in your faith. You've got to continue growing your faith. You've got to keep maturing in your faith. This passage out of Matthew chapter 17 is a correlation passage to a, to a passage in the book of Mark. So both Mark, the disciple, and Matthew, the disciple, record this instance when they were with Jesus. This scenario that happened. And it was all based on this interaction with this man who had a son that was full of demons. And he brought the son to be delivered. And this whole engagement, Jesus kind of teaches us a storyline through this engagement. So if we could, let's pick up in Mark 9. We'll look at Mark's version of this engagement and verse 17 through 25. It says, uh, Mark 9, 17. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Verse 19, Jesus replies with the statement. Scholars argue whether or not he's talking to his disciples, whether he's talking to this man, or he's just talking to the crowd in general. I believe he's talking in general to the whole crowd. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long do I have to show you who I am? How long do I have to prove to you that God is all-powerful? He can be your God if you'll but serve him. How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me, verse 20. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, he immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth, verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered So he answered the question, and then he goes on and adds what we always do. He starts adding his unbelief. In verse 21, uh, in verse 22, excuse me, it says, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. In verse 23, Jesus responds like your mama whenever she's ticked off at you for saying something stupid. He says, If you can. If I can. If I can. If I can. Long pause, awkward, everyone around's looking weird. Continuing on. And Jesus said, Everything is possible for him who believes. Verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You death and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. If you'll keep reading, it says, and the young man fell to the ground, completely delivered. It was such a big ordeal that they thought he was dead. Jesus grabs him up, stands him up, and the kid is totally healed and totally delivered. And this one moment of Jesus saying, enough is enough, let him go. It's unbelievable, unbelievable storyline. As we look into this passage, I think this man is much like you and I. I don't think he's a terrible person. In fact, the father is kind of the centerpiece and his engagement with Jesus about faith and unbelief its kind of the centerpiece of the whole story. In fact, the kid doesn't even take precedence. He's not even the center point. This father loves this boy. Can you imagine? This man has, has taken his young boy... And he's lived with this kid 10 years, 12 years, and every, according to his testimony, the the demons would try to kill this kid. Can you imagine in the middle of the night? Some, mama's got to stay up or dad's got to stay up because you don't know if the demons are going to come on this kid and he's going to go jump in a fire. You don't know if he's going to go uh, get out of your little house and go find him down the street on the highway and get hit by cars. And so uh, th- their whole life is about watching out for this kid and they've probably gone from doctor to doctor. They've gone to all the priests, all, uh, all, all the Israeli priests, and they, they probably said little prayers, yum, 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 over them. And nothing has helped this kid, but he hears about Jesus. Somebody's told him man, listen, you need to go find Jesus. This guy, I think he's the Messiah. I'm going to tell you right now, he prayed for my cousin, and my cousin was messed up. Pray for my cousin, and my cousin, like, he don't even want to do drugs no more. I mean, this is crazy. And so, well, anything, I'll try anything. And so the man shows up, but because, you know, Jesus is so important, there's large crowds, he doesn't get to make it straight to the boss, he's got to make it to the disciples. And so the disciples pray for him, and nothing happens. And so, finally, out of frustration, I would imagine he starts yelling, "Jesus, Jesus!" And Jesus walks, or what? What are you yelling about, man? My son. I try to get your disciples; they couldn't do anything, man. It's messed up. And if you can do anything, if you can have pity, if I can do anything, sir, just believe. I do believe. Help my unbelief. And in that moment. We see a doctrinal understanding that most people miss in their Christian walk. And that is, we can have both unbelief and faith working in our life at the same time. So just because you became a Christian doesn't mean that all the unbelief that you had before you were a Christian went away. Just because you said, I love Jesus and and I I need help, doesn't mean that you really believe that God's going to help you overcome that addiction. Because that addiction has been with you for 5, 10, 15 years. So your unbelief is outweighing your faith. And what has to happen, Jesus tells him, he says, just believe, just believe, just believe. And he recognizes, I don't have the just believe part. I realize I am full of unbelief, and I need your help, Jesus. And I would illustrate it like this. In every one of our lives, we have scenarios that have helped either our unbelief take precedence or our faith take precedence. For example, You get married, and you start believing for a family, and you get pregnant, and then all of a sudden within the first year of being pregnant, I mean first few months of being pregnant, second trimester, you lose that child that set you up for unbelief. Where's God at? Our baby died. Oh, I believe God's good. I know he loves me, but this has happened to me now. And so you come to church on the hill and we're saying, listen, if you're going through something, just lift your hand and let somebody come over and pray for you. And somebody comes over and just, you know, I just feel like I want you to know that he loves you. And you're saying, okay, but I got this happening inside of me. If he loves me so much, why did he let my baby die? And so you get pregnant a second time and everybody circles around you in your small group. You're trying to go faithfully to a small group. You're trying to connect with this group of people. So they're sending you little scriptures. And every time somebody sends you a little scripture and says, look how good God is. And you're trying to read it. It, it, it puts a little bit of faith back in that side. A little bit back there. But you lost the baby. That other baby's dead. And yes, you've been reading the Bible. But you know, it's just not quite there. But it starts kind of like not tormenting you anymore. And all of a sudden that baby goes full term. And you give birth to that child. And let me tell you something, boy, that experience helps tilt the balance a little bit. God is good. God does care about us. He is gracious and kind. And then you've been going to church for a few years or so, and then come to find out the preacher at your church has been messing around with other women, and you thought the preachers were good people. And you're like, man, I know God's good, but how can this guy do this? How can he be a man of God? And what happens is our whole life is a back and forth teetering on what's going to win out. Is unbelief going to win out or is faith going to win out? And we have these scenarios in life. And Frank, can I tell you something? Your Christianity is dependent upon will you be people of faith? Will you believe even what you cannot see? Will you hold to a truth that is not even manifest in this moment? Will you say God is good even when you don't feel like he's good? Will you let faith win out or will you let unbelief win out? Oh, pastor, I have reason to have unbelief. uh, Yeah. That's why I don't ever get mad when I see these people, like these these TV people, and they say, oh, look at you, the Christians are so ignorant. Oh, I don't know about you, but if you say that God spoke to you, that sounds like a mental health issue to me. I don't get mad at them and say, liar, devil. That's just a person who's full of unbelief because of whatever they've experienced in their life. But that doesn't negate that God is good. That doesn't negate that God is real. That doesn't negate that... We are supposed to be people of faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When we come back next week, I'm going to teach on that passage. And the rewards that await you and I as we, as we walk in faith with him, as we learn to trust him, he's built into that whole process a reward system. Why? Because he wants us to trust him. Don't you want your children to trust you? Don't you get frustrated when your kid keeps saying, when are we going, when are we going, when are we going? You said, you said. And you're like, listen, we're going to get there. But it's going to be a couple of days. But you said, you said, you said. And that frustration that comes over you as a parent for that child that doesn't really believe you and trust you and say, well, whatever. Mom and dad said it's going to happen. So when it happens, it's going to happen. I just know that they don't lie, that they tell the truth. But It did not look like it's going to happen. Dad lost his job, so now we're not going to be able to go to Hawaii. I'm taking you to Hawaii one day. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't look like, just know that my word is true. And what's happened is over the years, it's because of scenarios and situations and misappropriations, because of lies from the pit of hell. See, if I was Satan, and you became a Christian, I would say, you know what, how am I going to destroy their Christianity? How am I going to get them to give up on the living God? And So what I would do is I would begin to create scenarios that cause you to doubt and have unbelief. This man says, you're right, you are God. You're right. There's nothing impossible if I could just believe. But I recognize the truth. I have unbelief. The big step for you today is to recognize that you have unbelief in your life. We all have it. We all have a little bit of unbelief in certain areas. Some of us have great unbelief in, in other areas. You may have faith in this area, but really struggle over here. You may have faith that God is gracious and kind, but you struggle to believe that if we bring a tenth of our income in, that God will actually bless that. You may have, a, have, have faith that God you know, uh, will help me with my finances, but you really struggle to pray for someone to get healing because you're not sure if that's even real anymore because you prayed for somebody and it didn't happen. I grew up in, I got saved in the Church of Christ. And the church Christ that I got saved in, everything you did today with the instruments was wicked because they believed non-instruments. So that's how I got saved. That's how my family got saved. And then we started reading in the scriptures, the book of Acts, and we started seeing that they laid hands on sick people, and they got healed. And our church wasn't doing that. And we met this family that had a, had a Bible study and a small group, and, and they, were, they were praying with people. People were getting healed, and people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we were like, ooh, I don't know about the Holy Spirit stuff. Ooh, I'm not sure about that. But then we read through the book of Acts, and Paul lays hands on them and says, well, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. Well, here, let me lay hands on you. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They prayed in other tongues. They prophesied. These miracle things were happening. And we started long- longing for that. But I was still a little sketchy of it. Why? Because I had unbelief. Why did I have unbelief? Because that was the doctrine that I was exposed to. That was, the, that was the faith level of somebody else. They told me that's not really needed. That actually, they're cessationalists. It actually went away with the apostles. We don't need that anymore. So I believed in that. Had unbelief. But then all of a sudden, I started seeing supernatural works in these people's lives, and I said, I want that. I don't want to live dead, boring Christianity. I don't want to go to church for the sake of hearing some type of rules and regulations. That's, that's dead. I want life with a living God. If he's God, then why can't he, why can't he do big things? If he's, so, if he's so broke and so poor that he's got to beg and plead for my money, why do I want to serve that God? And so I started, started realizing that the God that I had been presented with is not the God of the Bible. And as I started reading on my, mom, my own, I said, whoa, this God is amazing. And he uses everyday people. I mean, Paul was, a, was an idiot, a murderer, and he used Paul. David was a pervert, and he used David. I was like, he can surely use me. I said, wow, this is great. And so then we started going to this other church, and they were like, you know what you need? You need the Holy Ghost. I was like, no, I don't. But I started seeing all these people get baptized in the Holy Spirit with these beautiful prayer language and having power surge search their life. So I started wanting it. Why? Because my faith started getting like, ooh, that, they're, still, they're not weird people. And, and I see that happening. And they're like, see, my faith started happening. Why? Because I saw the experience with them. But I still had that unbelief all in here. And that, so then I finally got enough courage and said, all right, pray for me. And they prayed for me. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. for five, six, 15 times. Some of you know my story. I'm laying on the living room floor, and God speaks to me months later. He says, I baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I've even given you a pretty beautiful prayer language. You're just scared to pray it out. I was like, those words in the back of my mind, I thought I was making that up. He goes, no, that's for me. I was like, they sound so stupid. Why would I say that? He goes, it's called faith. I was like, oh. So I have to believe what I cannot see, evidence of things hoped for. Yeah. It's like, man, I don't like this faith stuff. I want to see it before I believe it. And that's how God works. We have to believe it before we can see it. Had to trust and obey, and so because these signs shall follow those who believe. believe. So belief, faith comes before signs. Come cool. yeah. That was big right there. <laughs> so in that moment, I said, "Okay, Lord," and I started praying out my prayer language. That was wonderful, but it was a little sketchy for me. Like. I, like, I wanted to have like on the day of Pentecost where they're all sitting in the upper room. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. I wanted that Acts 2 experience. So my experience was just kind of, uh, dee, 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 dee. So years later, I'm a youth leader in my youth group, and we go to one of these big camps. Oh, big camp, thousands of young people. And the guy preaching goes, hey, if you're a youth leader, I want you to jump out in the middle of the aisle and, and stand up and jump out in the middle of the aisle. So I was like, I'm a youth leader. Still out in the middle of the aisle, didn't know what he was going to do. And he goes, now, if you're a young person who wants the power of the Holy Spirit, with evidence of praying with other tongues, go to that youth leader and they're going to pray for you. And all of a sudden I went, no, 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 no. I'm not really sure that, I didn't have an impactful experience. So I have a little bit of doubt as to whether I even really had power or if I'm halfway making this up. I know the rest of you have never had that, but that was me. I'm standing there in that moment. And now all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by five 13-year-old boys and girls. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be messy. (sighs) See, that unbelief is where all the false doctrine comes from with people you hear and see on TV. Because it's hard to trust for the completeness of things of God. So we start making doctrines to accommodate what we don't have yet but I was smart enough to say God I'm insecure in this moment they're standing there and they're like and I'm like God I'm really insecure I'm not even, I'm not even confident that I really have the baptism of the Holy Spirit like I'm, at times Lord I'm scared that I'm making up my syllables even that they're not even from you but God I know you've been good to me God I just don't want to disappoint these young people so God I think this is real it's been real to me the last couple years, but maybe if I'm wrong, God, just do something supernatural. And they're all, they're all standing there, <laughs> I want you, God. And I'm like, oh, man, oh, man. So I turned to the first little guy, and I just said, God, you would not have wanted me praying for you in that moment. I'm telling you right now, there was, it was not a prayer of faith. It was a prayer of, oh, dear Jesus. And I just said, God, please, God. Would you help this kid and maybe give him the Holy Spirit stuff? I'm not 100% sure what it's all about, but God, maybe. And if you don't give it to him, it's okay. I mean, I'm making excuses for God already. And all of a sudden, the kid goes, I feel God. Oh, my God. He starts praying this prayer language. I was like, whoa. another kid goes, me too. Me three. I was like, you are so good. And let me tell you what happened. Wapow! That's what happened in that moment. Because my little experience wasn't that good. My little experience was full of doubt and unbelief. I tried multiple times. I was trying it by works. I had a struggle with my faith. Come on, you with me? Friend, can I tell you something? We all have unbelief. We all have unbelief. But to be the men and women of God that the earth is groaning for, that this nation needs, what we have to do is we have to crush the unbelief and begin to rise up in our faith. And to do that, that has to grow. And it's not gonna just happen one, one in one holy moment. It's gonna be one day at a time. It's gonna be another day. And it's gonna be, oh, I recognize that's unbelief in this area. And each and every one of us need to identify that we've got unbelief in certain areas. you got faith in some areas, but you got unbelief in other areas. You feel so strong about finances, but you got fear and doubt and unbelief about miracles, you feel so good about the doctrine of the word, hallelujah, that word is God, it is God, but you're so insecure about the move of the spirit, or you got so good about the move of the spirit, but you can't even really define the word of God properly and you don't know how to get down in, and you and I have to have faith in each of these areas and unbelief has to be destroyed, and that's what Jesus looks at this man and says, sir, sir, just believe, and he recognizes Jesus, he had to have some kind of faith or he wouldn't have showed up. He realized, Jesus, I'm full of unbelief. Would you help my unbelief? Friend, that's what you and I need to wake up every morning and say, Jesus, help my unbelief. How many times do you feel like God told you to witness to that person and you walked away from it? Why? Unbelief. Yep. How many times do you feel like maybe God gave you a word for somebody at work and then you walked away from it? Why? Unbelief. That's what that is. Stealing away the supernatural power of your life that's supposed to happen. How many times you thought, man, we got to do this. we got to be faithful to the church. Well, but we can't because that thing that have unbelief sets in. And this is the trick of the enemy. And you and I have to overcome that unbelief and we have to grow in our faith. So I want to give you a couple thoughts on how to grow in faith. Can I teach you for a second? Is that all right? Let's go. Let's go. Number one, how to increase your faith. How to increase it. Number one, you have to consume the word of God. Give you a chance to write it down. you got to consume the word of God. Now, I read the Word of God, consume the Word of God. If you've ever heard of D.L. Moody, one of the Moody Institute, the Bible Moody Institute, one of the greatest revivalists from back in the day, great man of God, found this statement that he made about consuming the Word. It's powerful. Listen to this. He said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not seem to come. One day, I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I had up until this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I opened my Bible and I began to study, and faith has been growing ever since. So what deal Moody it's trying to help us understand. He kept crying, Lord, give me faith. Give me faith to raise the dead. Give me faith to heal the sick. Lord, give me faith to, to, to love the people at work. Give me faith to forgive the, my enemies. Give me faith, give me faith, give me faith. And he said, finally, he realized, wait, something's broken in that because he read Romans. And Romans says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. When you and I begin to read and consume the word of God, we become consumed with his faith. Why? Because the word of God is not ink blots on paper. It's supernatural how his words take on life into our soul as we read him and we take on his doctrine, his understanding. It's unbelievable when you begin to read the word of God and you realize, wait a minute, by faith Noah built an ark. Wait a minute. All of a sudden what grandma said and aunt so-and-so said and that dude in the locker room when you were 14 years old said, all of a sudden you recognize, wait a minute, that was unbelief. And all of a sudden faith begins to be dropped into your bucket as you consume the Word of God. Can I just help you with something? Whatever you consume is what you're going to be. And some of you, you listen to Fox News every morning for an hour in traffic. No wonder you think every president ever has been the Antichrist. Some of you watch CNN every day. No wonder you think, uh, listen, no wonder, no wonder you think that all Christians are s- trying to steal your money. Some of you listen to these programs, that means, and you're listening to all this junk and all these podcasts. All the black people are hateful. All the white people are terrible demons. All the Hispanic people just trying to steal all your money. You got all of this junk. Why? Because of what you're feeding on. For the health people in the room, there's a couple guys that are pretty healthy. And every now and then I'll go up to them and say, man, you're looking good. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, Right. Oh, man, I mean, I want to look that good. Well, Pastor Adam, you gotta change your diet. I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I like my bluebell ice cream at midnight. Come on, somebody, it builds my faith. I am full of faith. I'm full of what? I'm full of sugar. Come on now, ain't no abs happening. Why? Because what I feed on. Some of you, you're listening to all that nasty and blanking, blanking, effer, blanker, blanker. No wonder the moment you get in a bad situation, you don't say, praise God. You say, beep. And your kids are like, beep. I don't know where he learned it from. I can tell you where he learned it from. Why? Because, because of what you're consuming on a daily basis. Listen, and all, all you country people act all holy. A truck got stolen, had my wife in it. Truck came back, but she didn't. Come on, man! What you consume, you begin to believe, and you begin to emulate. That's what you. So, so it's it's not a it's not a maybe you should. It may, you know, I just don't understand the Bible. Read it till you get it. Get it down in you. Start breaking it down. Consume it. I'm promising you, the reason why you have doubt and unbelief is because you don't know the Word of God. Consume the Word of God, and you'll be a person of faith. Here's the second how to increase your faith. Number two, you need to imitate the original. Imitate the original. What? Imitate the original. Look what Hebrews says, chapter 12 and verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know what that's saying? It's Jesus who, want us to, who saved us. He's the beginning of this whole thing. He is the author. He's the writer. He's the developer of our faith. And he's the perfecter of our Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, this chapter 12 is right after chapter 11, after all the great men and women of faith have been listed. And then it says, and listen, therefore, since we're surrounded by all these great men and women of faith, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's, let's, let's imitate him. Let's go back to the original, the original Christian, the Christ Himself. Listen, how stupid for you to try to be like Pastor Adam. Years ago, I started thinking, I want to be like Billy Graham, I want to be like Bishop Jakes. Are you kidding? Then what happens? I got on staff at big mega churches and I saw behind the veil and I saw they were just everyday dudes. And that they had fleshes, come on somebody, that they had messy stuff in their life. And then I realized, wait a minute, I don't want to be that. And all of a sudden doubt and unbelief fell into my life. Oh, if that's what preachers are all about, I don't, I'd rather just be a successful businessman. I don't want to do all that because I saw their humanity. And then when I begin to read the word of God and realize it, it, in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. That God takes the foolish things to confound the wise. He takes broken everyday people and he does great things through our life. And he sets us in places of leadership we don't deserve. And I started re- realizing, wait a minute. Wait a minute. David was a pervert. And God used him. Paul was the meanest person on the planet. And he used him. I mean, you start realizing that all of a sudden, wait a minute. My faith is not to be in the men and women of God around me. But to be in the original. And to emulate the original. Because Jesus said, when your enemies do this, forgive them and love them. Who? Because that's not what Brother So and So did last time I saw him arguing with Sister Such and Such in the parking lot. Emulate the original. Do you know what Jesus did all day long? Pray for sick people, show kindness to hurting people. You want to build your faith? Pray for that person at work that is just a nodhead. Like it's always, always the person that you want to strangle. Pray for that person. So, can I just pray for you, man? <laughs> uh, 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 what? Yeah, man, let me just pray for you. Uh, that's weird. That's okay. In the name of Jesus, I love you. Bless you. My dad used to work at a chemical plant, gotten radically saved and serving God for a couple years. And every Monday was all of them coming back from the weekend talking about, and they would all, they'd all have to change in this giant locker room. So there'd be three, 400 men changing in this locker room before they all went out into the plant. And so dad said, every Monday, all it was is I had sex with this woman, I got drunk, right, like, right, all that. He said, he just, one Monday morning, he just couldn't take it anymore, man. And just, before he knew it, he just yelled out, Jesus! And he started putting his boots on, you know. He said, the whole place went. And they just got their stuff and went out to work, you know, they didn't say a word. He just, he said, I just couldn't take it anymore. He just needed to express that God is still on the throne. Imitate Jesus. Imitate Jesus. Instead, of, instead of posting all the trash you're posting, post things about how good your God is. Do what Jesus would have done. Be kind to people. Be gentle to people. Pray with people. Move in the gifts. Everybody wants to move in the gifts at the Sunday service. That's crazy. That don't help anybody. You got a gift of prophecy, prophesy at Walmart. I don't have to start a ministry. Everybody supports your ministry and give you a .org so you can be this traveling minister. That's crazy. The gifts are so that hurting people can know the living God. Moving the gifts in the everyday life. That's what Jesus did. Here's a third area that you can begin to concentrate on to grow, and that is to do life with people of faith. Do life with people of faith. Do life with people of faith. You keep doing life with people of doubt and unbelief. Look what Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds come on brothers and sisters get around each other and help increase each other's faith spur each other on you got this you can do this you're not going to quit on God I got your back spurring each other on to uh, love and good deeds let's consider how we can do that better by being around the family of God being around people of faith and you consume yourself with people that don't believe in God I mean bro you're still hanging out with dude who's, you're getting counsel about your marriage bro from a guy who's been divorced five times what are you doing? how's that helping? Sweet love, you keep going to your aunt who hates every Christian who's ever been born on the planet, asking her what she thinks you ought to do about the church problem you're having in your small group. Are you kidding me? Surround yourself, do life with the people of faith. That doesn't mean we don't love hurting people or have friends that aren't Christians, but you got to do life with, you got to draw strength with, because I'm going to tell you, whoever you hang out with is who you're going to become. It's the truth. It's the truth. I had this friend that I love so much, a person that's very special to me, and uh, grew up in the church, parents are ministers man, Jamie walked in the other night and showed me their post reposting some of the most God awful perverted wickedness laughing about it laughing about it on on social media ha ha ha, isn't it hilarious and I just thought, oh she's tasted of the goodness of God he knows the power that God has done in the earth, why? because that's who they're hanging out with That's who they're spending time with. (laughs) Ha ha look at this. God haters. And now guess what it's done? It's caused their unbelief to flourish and impacted to where their faith is of nothing. Here's the fourth area that I would teach you on how to grow your faith. And that is through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Mark chapter 9 verse 28 says it like this. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Okay, so this is the passage. This passage in Mark is connected to our Matthew 17 passage. Mark records one piece of of the conversation. Matthew records another piece of the conversation. So this is, again, the the, the young man that they couldn't cast a demon out of that we just read about. This is about the father being frustrated with him and then bringing the boy to Jesus. So after that whole scenario, the disciples pull Jesus aside at the house after it's all over. And they said, listen, why couldn't we cast him out? Why couldn't we get the devil out of him? Matthew says, he immediately says, because of your unbelief. He says, because of your unbelief. Mark records that he continued on by saying, and this kind comes out but by prayer and fasting. He's not talking about demons. Demons don't come out because we pray and fast more. Demons come out because we are full of the Holy Spirit and we have authority over every principality and power. And we say, be thou removed and go in the name of Jesus. What he's talking about is our unbelief. The whole scenario here, the key concept is unbelief. He says, listen, you have unbelief. That's why you could not cast the devil out of that kid. You have unbelief. You can feel you feel good about praying for someone with a cold, but once this little kid." showed up and started going, you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Jesus, you know, you got real nervous, and unbelief set in, he goes, and the unbelief comes out through prayer and fasting, you got to get this, if you have an unbelief in an area, when it comes to finances, come to healing, come to faith, comes to that God's there, that he loves you, whatever you have problems with unbelief in, what you need to do is commit yourself to prayer and fasting, see, fasting and prayer doesn't make you holy, fast for a little bit and see how angry and how horrible you become, Fasting is miserable. It's hard. What fasting is doing is crucifying your flesh. That's what it's doing so that your spirit man can come alive because you're actually sacrificing something that your flesh enjoys, i.e. food. And when you fast that and when you put prayer to that engagement, what happens is your faith begins to grow in that engagement and your unbelief begins to die out. And Jesus says, listen, you're not going to ever get rid of that kind of unbelief, in a scenario like this, you're going to be scared to death. Another one starts manifesting. You're going to do the same thing unless you commit yourself to prayer and fasting over this place of unbelief in your life. Each and every one of us have unbelief. Each and every one of us have faith. You're here today. You've got to have some kind of faith. You're sitting listening to me. Like Some of you never met me, so you're like, yeah, how do I know that that guy's even not a, a fake? How do I know he's not stealing the money and doing this and doing that? Because you have faith in the living God that you serve. That God will remove me if I'm a a danger to you and to your family. You have faith already, so you have some faith. But the problem is that you also have unbelief. And when it comes to serving God, whoever wins out, unbelief or faith, will determine the way you walk this thing called Christianity out and whether or not you're pleasing to Him. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, if you could just have faith of a mustard seed, You could say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. Just by rolling that off my lips, you're looking at me like, tell a mountain? Tell a mountain to move. Like, you got to be kidding me. That's a dumb statement by Jesus. No, it's not. It's a complete statement by him. Why? Because he is God. And he's trying to teach us the fullness of complete trust in him. So he makes a ludicrously impossible statement That is possible when you and I come to the revelation of walking in faith and not in unbelief. See, for some of you, you can't even believe that God loves you. So you work for your salvation. You try to do good and not do bad. And you think that somehow that's that in and of itself is a lack of faith. Because Jesus paid for every bit of it 2,000 years ago. You could never pay for your own sin. You could never be good enough. You could ne- That's the whole point of the Old Testament and the law, was he wanted to prove to humanity, okay, you want to do it in your own strength, try it. Gave him thousands of years to try it, and they could never be good enough. So he said, okay, now, I'm going to fix it by sending the greatest sacrifice of all time, and by faith you accept that sacrifice and the grace that I've afforded you will be poured out upon. You don't deserve it. You, don't, you have done nothing to receive it. You just simply said yes to me and made me the Lord of your life. And as a result, I will take care of you even though you are not faithful to me. I will be faithful to you even when you struggle to be faithful with me. And so as believers, the real goal of Christianity is not to try to be good and not be bad. The real goal of Christianity is try to crucify unbelief and walk in faith. And when you and I walk in faith, he's good. He's gracious. He forgives me even though I don't forgive myself. He's going to heal me even though I don't know how it's going to happen. He's so gracious. I just trust him. And I act accordingly because God is good. You and I must learn that though we have faith, we also have unbelief. And you and I need to ask the Lord just like that man did. Help my unbelief. Would you stand with me all across the room? I want to minister to you. And what I'd like you to do is set everything down and just join hands with that person next to you. And as you do that, I'd like you to close your eyes and bow your heads, just to have a place of a place of concentration, a moment of concentration. Now, with your head bowed and your eye closed, and your joined hands with your neighbor next to you, what what area do you lack faith in? This man. He'd suffer through, with this kid every day. Every day that demon tried to kill his son. I don't know, 10 years, 12 years, every day. 24 hours a day. 365 days a year. That could, he could not leave that child alone. He's exhausted. He's at the end of his road. He finally makes a leap of faith and he goes over to the camp of Jesus engages at the disciples. They can't fix it. Unbelief surges again. When he finally gets to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he says, if you can. And Jesus, let me correct your doctrine, sir. If you'll just believe, anything is possible. Not if I can It has nothing to do. I, I, I can do all things. I'm God. I'm the creator of heaven and earth. I'm not limited. You're limited. If I can you just need to believe. And if you do that, nothing's impossible. Each and every one of us have unbelief. And that man was smart enough in that moment to cry out and say, Lord, help my unbelief. With your head bowed and your eye closed. I want you to ask the Lord to help your unbelief. What area do you struggle to believe God in? That he'll take care of you financially? That you can be faithful to your marriage? That you can actually overcome sickness and disease? That your child will actually change? What what do you struggle to have faith in? Ask him right now, help my unbelief. Under your breath, Lord, help help my unbelief. Only in that Declaration, and that man's brutal honesty. He didn't try to pretend he had faith. He didn't try to. He didn't try to. To, to you know, uh, masquerade some f- false faith. He just was honest. I need your help. Help me, because my unbelief is outweighing my faith. I have some kind of faith, or I wouldn't even be here. But I am. I am. I am racked with guilt over how I feel and what I've experienced in the past, and and and, and, and I don't know if it'll work just don't know i'm scared help my unbelief that needs to be your prayer right here right now father in the name of jesus but each and every one of us we recognize we have unbelief and lord god it, it is keeping us from the fullness of our walk with you some of us don't believe you're real some of us don't believe that you really love us some of us don't really believe that you'll heal us some of us don't really believe that you'll care for us financially some of of us don't really believe that you can save that marriage or save that relationship. Some of us don't believe that you even hear the prayers that we pray because it seems as though things haven't changed over the years. And So God, I ask you right now to help our unbelief. Now with your head bowed and your eye closed, I gave you four areas to begin to grow in. If you want to grow your faith, I gave you four options to begin to move towards. And here and now, as we've mentioned those options, I want you to think through those and commit to them. Will you commit Will you commit to consume the word? Listen, if you've got to get, download the app and let the Bible be read to you every day on the way to work, but you've got to consume it, you've got to get it in you. Will you commit to that? Here and now, just under your, under your breath, to, to your God, make a decision. Will you commit to that? Will you commit? Will you commit to imitate Jesus and stop trying to be like everybody else and just be like Jesus was? Will you commit to learn what he was like? in the scenarios of hardship and the scenarios of difficulty when he was lied about, when he was cheated, we commit to imitate Christ. The third area we commit to do life with actually people of faith. I know you got some friends from the past and they're good friends. They've been there for you back in high school and college days or whatever. But man, they're really if you don't realize it, but their unbelief is filling your unbelief button. Uh, excuse me, bucket. And you and i have to get around people who will spur us on to good works and love and good deeds, excuse me. And I need you to make a commitment. This whole church is committed to small group life because we know we need each other to help each other. And then that last area of commitment. I mean, we've got to change. We've got to walk in faith. We've got to. But guys, so we've got to make some changes. We've got to actually live this thing out. And So Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name as we make these commitments to you that you will grow our faith and shrink our our doubt that you will help us become the people of faith and not the people of fear, doubt and unbelief Lord, we stand not in judgment of the people of this world the fact that they don't have faith in our God but Lord, we do and we ask you to help us with that grow us in our faith now would you let go of the hand of that person next to you would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? I want to give a call for anyone that might say, Pastor, I got to be honest. I'm not a Christian. I've struggled to believe there even is a God, or if there is, that he even cares that I exist. Maybe you would say, Pastor, I got to be honest. I, I struggle to serve God, to really commit myself to Him. And I'm back and forth in addiction, I'm back and forth in living wicked and wild. But I'm here today, and man, as you've been talking about Jesus, it sounds like He's your best friend. Maybe you would say, you know, I knew religion, but you've never known him. The God of heaven and earth. Friend, I want you to have a relationship with the living God. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would admit and say, Pastor, I gotta be honest, I'm not a Christian. If I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven, I'll tell you that now. Or maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but life, it just happened, man. And I'm I'm separated from the Lord. I'm, I'm divorced. I, I just know that I don't have a relationship with him. Friend, I'd like to. I'd like to bring you back to a loving relationship with the living God. Oh, that sounds great, Pastor. What do I do? Well, the Bible says it real clear. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. The word says that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's already bought and paid for it. I say it like this all the time on Sundays. When Jesus died on that cross, he paid for every sin you would ever commit. It's like there's an account with your name on it It's already prepaid for everything you will ever wickedly do. That's awesome. How do I access that? Well, again, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. He will forgive you and cleanse you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give a call to anyone who says, Pastor, it's time. I'm tired of living this way. I want Jesus in my life. I want to make Jesus the Lord of I want to become a Christian. I want to follow God. I need God in my life. With no one looking around, if that's you, here in just a moment I'm going to lift your hand I'm not going to call you out come get you down front I don't want to point you out to everybody everybody's head is bowed and every eye is closed this is a deep private serious decision your eternity lays in the balance and you need to make that decision as such now as you've had a moment to think about it if you say I'm ready I want to serve God I want you to be honest with yourself honest with heaven by just simply lifting your hand and say pastor that's me pray for me thank you sir thank you ma'am Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Could you Put it back down. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Amen. Number of hands. God bless you. Anybody else? You just give you a couple more moments. Thank you, sweet lady. God bless you, sweetheart. Precious. Some of the most amazing people I've ever seen are saying, yeah, I want God. I need God. I don't want to live like this anymore. You can put him back down. Give you two more seconds. Anybody else hadn't lifted their hand yet? Make sure I see it. Amen. Thank you, sweet love. Okay, buddy. God bless you. Put your hands down. Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer. A prayer of repentance. There's nothing magical about the words. But supernatural is that God's been tugging at your heart and you responded by saying, yes, I want God. And I'm going to help you seal that relationship here now with a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of commitment. In fact, I'm going to get everyone in the audience to pray this out loud alongside of you. But those who lifted your hands, I want you to mean this from the depth of who you are. I want you to be sincere. I know it's not a game for you, so I want you to mean it with all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus... Say it one more time. Jesus, today, I admit I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. And today, I repent. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me. And in front of everyone, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. Jesus, you are my Lord forever and ever. Amen. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? Just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who prayed that prayer. A minute from the depths of their heart. God, I pray right now that peace, that peace of being right with you. Lord, that it would just come over them. That would sense, I don't have to perform. I don't have to pray so many Hail Marys. I don't have to give money to the church. I'm right with God. Lord, when they walk out of this place and later today or maybe tomorrow and the lies start coming to their mind, you didn't mean that. You don't really want to change. You didn't really want to serve God. They'll they'll be able to say, wait a minute. I'm not going to be perfect, but I am his. And that's what matters. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for the joy of their salvation, that they feel the joy of being right with you, that there's no more elephant in the room between them and you. They prayed. You've accepted their act of repentance and Lord, they've now accepted what you did for them on the cross. And the relationship has been mended. And they're no longer an enemy of God. Just the opposite. Their son or a daughter of the living God. Just by confession and commitment of relationship. And Lord, we call that as truth to be sealed for the rest of their life. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people agreed and said amen and amen.